Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. And what is this a podcast of? A podcast of happiness and wellness, great stories, amazing people. And one of my passions has to be awareness. And there are just so many disease states out there that need help, that need to raise awareness for. So this one kind of crossed my desk and I'm like, wait a minute, I need awareness about this. And I read more and more about it. I became super passionate about it. So I got two guests that actually conquered, survived, and is now actually promoting awareness about this disease state called breast implant illness. So before, you know, the routine, everyone who listens to my podcast, before I introduce, I got to read the bios. But I wanted to do a little medical something to explain what this breast implant illness is. It's a complex and underreported condition that affects individuals who have undergone breast augmentation procedures. The symptoms can vary and may include fatigue, joint pain, cognitive difficulties, skin problems, and more. As more people become aware of this issue, the demand for information and support has increased. The No Double Bogies Foundation is at the forefront of raising awareness and providing guidance to those affected by BII, as well as supporting them in their decision-making process. So my guest today is Ashley Penner, the founder of the No Double Bogies Foundation, and Robin Tout, speaker at the No Double Bogies Celebrity Golf Tournament and co-founder of the Global Patient Advocacy Coalition. Both personally affected by uh, breast implant illness have shown exceptional dedication and commitment to the cause of educating and supporting women facing similar challenges. In regards to their personal stories, Ashley and Robin have experienced breast implant illness firsthand and have undergone explant surgery. Their personal journeys and the impact on their lives are both inspirational and educational. Ashley Penner is a 
children's golf instructor and a breast implant illness patient herself has channeled her painful experience into a profound purpose by offering help and support to others. Her journey and her vision for the No Double Bogies Foundation have been inspirational and impactful. Ashley's story is not only one of personal triumph, but also a testament to the power of community and education in dealing with the adverse effects of breast implants. Robin Tout's presence at the event was equally significant. As a three-time cancer survivor, breast implant illness survivor, and a patient advocate for the Global Patient Advocacy Coalition, Robin has been at the forefront of the fight to raise awareness about breast implant illness and related issues. Her advocacy has emphasized the importance of informed consent and the need for manufacturers to take responsibility for updating labeling and potential side effects, which is currently lacking. Robin's perspective adds a vital dimension to the discussion surrounding breast implants. And with that being said, hello, Ashley and Robin, and thank you for being here today. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Raj. It's great to be here. Totally, totally. So I did my research on both of you. You two women are just awesome and great interviewers. So I'm going to try to be a good host. What I'm going to do is kind of alternate questions and we'll go from there. How's that sound? Perfect. Cool. Ashley, you're up. So your question is, why did you start the No Double Bogies Foundation? So I started the No Double Bogies Foundation uh, because I wanted to uh, build a gap or a bridge for people who were sick with implants and needed treatment and couldn't get it. That's where I kind of found myself. And I literally didn't think I would be alive to host the first golf tournament that we did. So this was the last thing I was going to do is to bring awareness and um, help other women expat. Robin? How did you know, we're going to medical, because I know you love the medical. How did you know you had breast implant illness? I mean, mean, the symptoms seem so vague sometimes. I mean, how did you piece it all together? You know, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017, I actually felt great before I knew that I had breast cancer. I was a very active middle-aged woman. I was walking five to seven miles a day, keeping up with two teenagers. Um, Life was good. And for my breast cancer, I didn't have any treatment at all, except for surgery. So there was no reason for me to be so systemically ill with a host of symptoms that were just unexplainable. And none of my doctors told me that this could happen. So, you know, I, it was just process of elimination basically. And other breast cancer patients, you know, that I had talked to, they had symptoms that were similar, but they were blaming it on chemo or radiation. And I'm sitting here going, I didn't do chemo, didn't do radiation. I'm not taking hormone blockers. Why am I so sick? I felt like I was doing chemo. I mean, it was it was horrifying how quickly my health took a toll. Um, I only had my breast implants in for four months. Oh my god! Now, now, Robin, let me throw an audible out here. So, you're a, a healthy woman before this diagnosis, and how did they find it? Was it just you're doing your screening, and you found it on screening? Yep, I was doing my annual mammogram. I started um, at age 35 because I had a prior cancer history and radiation treatment. Okay. Me to get my baseline mammogram at 35 and then starting at age 40 every year after that. So I just actually caught it on a routine mammogram. Okay. And was it a single mastectomy or double mastectomy? I chose to have a double because years previously, um, before my breast cancer diagnosis, I had a suspicious mammogram. 
So I had a biopsy. It was benign, but I kind of felt like because of my radiation history, I was a ticking time bomb. Yeah. I definitely didn't want to go through any of this again. So I was like, just take them both. And it was, it was an aggressive surgery for the tumor size that I had. I had a very tiny tumor, no lymph node involvement. Sure. To do a double mastectomy was a pretty radical treatment. Yeah. Uh, But that's the way I wanted it. I chose that because I wanted to be done. I didn't want to drag out this breast cancer experience. You know, I didn't have time for that. I just wanted to go live my life. So one last medical, because now you got me all kind of into this. Um, Did you have one of those like BRCA mutations in your family? Was that the way it was? Or do you have a mutation that needs to be raised for awareness? Or I didn't have any mutations. Um, The doctors are pretty convinced that my breast cancer was caused from the radiation treatment that I had for my lymphoma. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to go back to Ashley. How did you know you had an issue with your implants and what was your story behind the implant to begin with? Well, it took me a a long time to figure out it was my breast implants after going to like three specialists of each kind. Right. And then I had had this itching that led to bruising on my legs after three years. It looked like I got the crap beat out of me. And it always sat in the back of my mind. Like that's not normal. I went to the doctors. They thought I had leukemia, came back normal. Three years go on. I have an excessive amount of um, issues and symptoms with like from drop foot and digestive. I had, my face was on fire. And then it was interesting. I was in Palm Springs and I, you know, silicone was coming out of my nipple because it, it was burning. And this is like, Okay. I have people that were there. And so I was like, this is really weird. My breast is on fire and I don't know what's going on. So fast forward, I'm in this uh, Facebook group that has like over 200,000 women with issues. And this girl had posted a picture of itching that led to bruising. And so I messaged her and I said, do you have silicone breast implants? And she's 33, lives in um, South Carolina, has three kids. We became really good friends. We put all our th- symptoms together. And I explanted, um, for meeting her, I explanted three months later wow. and she actually, I was trying to raise money for her for the tournament. So I was like, oh. I don't leave anyone behind. She had an emergency explant the day of my tournament. It was in the hospital for two days and it was awful. So, wow. but she got hers out too. So, Great. you know, a girl from South Carolina saved my life. So let me do a couple of audible questions with you. So you saw a bunch of doctors, you know, like, List them out. Who was who was part of the figure out what's wrong with me? Was it a was a rheumatologist involved? Was a hematologist involved? You know, I saw three rheumatologists. Oh my god! Three neurologists, uh, three in internal medicine, endocrinologists. I mean, every spe- specialist you had, I went and saw it. I'm kind of like a person who wants to figure things out. I mean, of course. And I just I went to the emergency room like three times, thinking I was dying. I said goodbye to my mother. I'll see you in heaven, kind of thing. And yeah. I just nobody ever said it's your breast implants. Yeah. You know, I mean, I never want to put myself in their shoes. It's just, um, you know, when you see it, hindsight's all 2020, like, Oh, obviously, you know what I mean? But wow, that's a lot of doctors. Obvious question. Did the implants break or leak? And that's how you were getting the discharge or can you explain? No. So what happens is there's a gel bleed that happens as soon as you get them, right. It heats up at 98 degrees. I'm also a golf instructor. So I'm in the sun a lot. Right. So it actually like heats up and there was actually one infectious disease doctor that told me, he goes, of course, you're heating plastic up in your body. Right. He was the only one who said like, this is after a time, of course, they're going to heat up and do that. 
And I mean, it literally, my belly button was bleeding and like stuff was coming out of there. It was just, I would get sores on my lips and it's even after explant, I could feel silicone coming out of my arms. Like it was sticky and it, I, I'm an athlete. I know what sweat feels like. And that was not sweat. <laughs> so my mom's a nurse. So trust me. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yay, mom. And maybe that's what we get along well. My mom's a nurse too retired. So yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, Robin. So this is a great question, this back and forth thing. So why do you think most medical professionals are unaware of the harmful effects of breast implants? Well, I have done a lot of work both with the FDA and the plastic surgeon societies here in the United States. And I can tell you that it's been a very well-kept secret. And I've been advocating since 2017. I've had multiple meetings with the FDA, um, formally asked them several times to issue a healthcare provider letter to alert all medical professionals about this so that women just like Ashley don't have to go to 10 different practitioners, 20 different practitioners, 47 different practitioners. I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of doctors that these women have seen and the tens of thousands of dollars that they've spent. I asked the FDA for an official statement on why they have not alerted the medical community. Yeah. And their response, and I have the email to prove it, <laughs> okay. is that they felt they're doing a good job of raising awareness about this. Hmm. And they had 50,000 views on their YouTube channel. 50,500 views on their website, and they sent out 220,000 email notifications to people who subscribe, like me, because I'm a junkie and I want to know all the recalls and stuff. So I'm sitting there, you know, adding it up, doing girl math, I guess. And, you know, it's, so it's about 320,000 people that they reached. And I went and did a, a search and found, you know, there's over 1 million licensed active medical physicians in our country that are practicing currently. And there's 3.8 million nurses. So 4.8 million medical professionals, just doctors and nurses. So we're yeah. not talking about like massage therapists, microneedling specialists. So I'm like, okay, that's almost 4 million medical professionals and actually almost 5 million. And they've only reached 320,000 people. It comes down to the numbers. Wow. It's staggering. It is really staggering. All right, Ashley, let me ask you this. Why did you get the breast implants to begin with? And what was your biggest regret from getting those breast implants? Okay, so I actually won mine in a draw, like a carnival. I don't know. Oh, my, oh, I, oh my God. Okay. A raffle. She won a raffle. <laughs> okay, keep on going. Keep on going. So I actually, I left my office because I got this email from uh, this place in Newport said you could have a chance to win breast implants. And I was like, oh, why not, right? So my ADD kicks in, I go, I tell my boss, I'm going to go win boobs. And I literally sit through this, <laughs> sit through this uh, luncheon. And at the end, he pulls my name. I had a feeling he was going to too. And he's like, you win boobs. And I was like, what? And I was so excited. I called my mom. I'm like, okay, like I'm an athlete. I don't really care for him that much, but I got Newport. Everyone's having them, right? So anyways, I was worried about my golf swing and I went in for my pre-op and the only thing he said to me is you don't have boobs Tuesday, bada bing, bada boom. And that's exactly what happened. It was uh, a big kaboom. And so the biggest regret I yeah. have getting them is how much time and like the illness, the st I'm still recovering. I'm like a year and seven months post-op and it's just ongoing issues. You, you don't just get them out and you're a miracle. You're better. Your body's going to take time to adjust, you know, to the trauma. 
that was caused by that and the relationships that got um, stressed because of it. So I, I really wish I never left the office that day. And I also wish I would have been told some of the conversations. Yeah. I would never have got them. <sighs> so Robin, I'm going to give you another medical one. All right. So I did my research. So a lot of the medical studies have shown that, you know, breast implants have been associated with multiple cancers, rare diseases, autoimmune symptoms. What are the most common complaints that patients, and you know, you've spoken to many patients, are experiencing from breast implants? The most common symptoms, and the FDA has this on their website, and I think the plastic surgeon societies all agree, the biggest ones are like fatigue, joint pain. And when we say joint pain, I mean a lot of the women can't even walk. Like their joints are so stiff and swollen and painful. Um, hair loss, skin and hair issues, thyroid malfunction, sleep disturbances, gut issues are really big with women that have BII. And it, it's so interesting because so many, so many of us have spent, I didn't, but like Ashley did and so many other women spend years trying to find the root cause of what's going on in their body. And then we meet these other women who are going through the same thing. And it's, it's almost like you find a life preserver in this sea of mayhem, right? That's going on in your body. So it is very eye-opening to talk to literally hundreds of other women that have gone through the exact same symptoms that we've gone through. So those are the most common for sure. So let me ask you and Ashley, um, did any of you have a history of autoimmune disease in your family prior to this? No. And let me ask you on the spot. So if you knew a friend or someone's asking their opinion and they have a history of maybe Hashimoto's thyroiditis or they have lupus or whatever, would that, would that be just a full stop? No, don't go this route. If you have autoimmune disease, do you, do you folks feel the same about this? Absolutely. It even states in the manufacturer's literature to talk to your doctor if you have any kind of underlying autoimmune disease or family history. It's Is this something new that the update put on the, on the labeling? No, it's been there. It's just patients aren't getting the information. The doctors are choosing not to give it to them. Manufacturers are choosing not to give it to the doctors. But yeah, I mean, my my booklet, I think, was written in 2012. And it's in there. So they've known. They've known all of this. They have known about the cancers since the early 1990s. But they just chose to wait until 2011 to talk about ALCL. They chose to wait until last year, 2022 to talk about squamous cell carcinoma that forms in the breast implant capsule, T-cell lymphoma, B-cell lymphoma. MD Anderson came out with their largest study ever done on breast implants showing a higher rate of melanoma in women yeah. with breast implants. Have any of you two had like hair loss and alopecia from the breast implant? Yes. Yeah. I had two bald spots at the top of my head and I lost about half of my eyelashes. No kidding. What about you, Ashley? Yeah. I lost my eyelashes and that's kind of what I was known for growing up at really long ones. And then sure. my eyebrows and I actually have hair extensions in now because I'm still having like, oh yeah, I lost a lot of hair. And what about, what about joint pain? So my wife's a rheumatologist. So I always like to put some room things in there. Did, it, did you guys have like the morning stiffness? Was your joint pain symmetrical or was it just like one knee and one elbow? Can both you guys answer that? Yeah, I actually, my leg got so stiff. I couldn't like, it was really hard to press the pedal when I was driving. And so I remember being at Temecula at my cousin's and I couldn't leave because my leg was so stiff and my knees were hurting so bad, but it's just a really weird feeling to like, <laughs> not like my foot wasn't working. It was, it felt like it was dead weight and then had neuropathy for my knees down. 
on top of that. So it was really bizarre. Like Robin? Yeah. I mean, I went from walking five to seven miles a day easily for, I mean, 15, 20 years. That was my normal routine. And I just couldn't, I, I mean, I went, I tried to go for a walk one day and luckily my husband works from home and I was a half a block from my house and I had to call him. I called him crying because I literally could not take a single step more. I was just in pain. I was fatigued. I felt like I was going to pass out. And mine was just all over, just body fatigue and soreness and pain. But it is interesting because since your wife's a rheumatologist, it's interesting that sometimes if a woman has a rupture on one side, she will get just, you know, unilateral pain. And I always find that really interesting or a rash, but only on one side. Wow. Um, Hearing loss on one side. So it is interesting to listen to women's stories and say, well, I explanted, they didn't think I had a rupture, but one of them was ruptured. And that's the side I was having all the problems. It's crazy. So talk about the foundation. So this is an Ashley question. Um, So how would you help women with this foundation? Tell me, Ashley. Well, when we fundraise enough money, because explants are ranging from 16,000 to 25,000. So I I didn't know that. Um, Let me ask you that. I just audible question out of nowhere. Are insurance covering this kind of stuff? Can people afford this kind of stuff? No. I mean, I get emails and letters, well, emails and the messages from girls like, you know, saying I have this, I need help, I need for money. And once we get there, I can't wait to hand it out to women because that was like the one thing I I didn't have. I'd spent all my savings trying to figure out what was wrong and then I didn't have money to take them out. So it was like I was a prisoner in my own body, threw it up on a credit card and saved my life. So I want to be able to be helpful, like a resource for them. And, sp- and especially with treatment too. We've teamed up with some uh, holistic doctors and naturopaths that have donated, which I'm going to give out to women because that also is expensive and not covered by insurance. So you're kind of in this situation of, you know, I want to get better and heal and you don't have the finances and it's a huge burden not to. Well, why golf, by the way, as the conduit? Um, I mean, you're from Canada. Why not hockey? You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe that's next, but, um, well, I've been, I've been teaching kids for like 14 years and I raised money for 10 years at celebrity events. And I just, you know, this is the only tool and vehicle I know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, after I had the explant, I threw the tournament within three months and, um, we raised money. It was my first time ever doing an adult tournament because I've done children's one, but it's also such a big sport that you can go all over with it and run these tournaments. And so I kind of saw a vision of that and having, you know, the no double bogeys tournaments in all over America and Canada because women, they want us to come there. So how's Robin? Is she good? I do. <laughs> golf, but I, have, <laughs> I haven't golfed with Ashley because I'm scared because I heard she's like better than all the men even. So <laughs> they're true. I am not at that level, but I do love to golf. I love to be outside. I don't keep score. Um, but no, I, I really enjoy helping out with the tournament and just talking to the golfers. We've done it two years in a row now, and I'm so happy to be a participant because not only have I met amazing, generous, and kind people, but it, it feels so good to be able to share the news and the information with them because everybody knows somebody who either has breast implants, who wants to get them, or maybe who's a breast cancer patient. Um, So it's just really the lack of knowledge is out there. And we're just trying to kind of raise awareness and and make sure everybody knows. And we even kind of dove into other medical devices. You know, we had 
a lot of men on the course golfing. And I had a guy that we were talking about hernias and I said, you know, he needed hernia surgery. And I said, please tell your doctor not to use mesh. I'm seeing so many people that are having complications with mesh and especially tell your wife as a rheumatologist and all of her colleagues, you know, these complications are systemic and people are having such a hard time with these devices. And I'm so happy. He, he ended up going in for surgery and he told his doctor, I don't want mesh. And the doctor's like, well, I might have to use it if that's the best way to go. He made the doctor sign a disclosure saying, if I open up this patient and he's under anesthesia and I find it's in my bet, it's in the patient's best interest to use mesh, I will close him up so he can go find a doctor to do. Wow. What a story. And he made him sign that. And I was like, so I'm like, <laughs> you got to take ownership. You got to take ownership. Absolutely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, I'm going to give you a couple questions before I go back to you, actually. I want to, this one I like, um, like all of them, but this one, after being banned from the market over 10 years ago in the 1990s, how did silicone breast implants get approved by the FDA, Robin? Can you answer that? I've gone back and actually read every single page of transcripts from all of those FDA meetings because I wanted to know that exact question. Whose genius idea was it to put these back on the market after knowing you know, how sick they made so many women? Yeah. And the answer to that is the manufacturers were very crafty in their marketing and kind of what they put in front of the FDA. We changed the formula. We make it so the implants aren't going to rupture as easily. And if they do rupture, the gel isn't going to spill out, you know, in a, in a liquid form. And so they kind of sold it as a new and improved product. So at the end of the day, here we are 30 years later, and there's nothing new and improved about it. I mean, yeah. they have changed the formula to make them a little more cohesive, but still the same chemicals causing still the exact same problems as they were in the nineties when they were banned. Yeah. So let's kind of just build on that a little bit because it kind of leads to my next question. Why did the FDA kind of fail to hold manufacturers accountable for breast implant safety awareness, which you women are all about and proper informed consent for patient? Why? Well, informed consent is truly up to the physician. And a lot of people get angry at the FDA about all of this, but we have to remember the FDA's role and I don't typically defend them, but the <laughs> FDA regulates manufacturers and the devices that they make. That's their job. That is their role. And they do not regulate physicians. However, in their pre-market approval agreements, the FDA told each manufacturer that they had to give proper informed consent information 
i.e. a patient decision (laughs) checklist and information booklet. And patients weren't getting that. You know, we did a survey in 2020, over 5,000 women answered our survey. And we asked um, how many women got the information booklet, the patient information. 86% of women were never given proper information. Oh my God. Ashley, you first. Did you get informed consent? Did the doctor do a pretty good job about, hey, risks and benefits? On that? No, I, I just, I honestly just got the bada bing, bada boom. Like, wow, that is really scary. Robin, did you get the bada bing, bada boom? I did not. I, I did get a outdated patient informed consent, you know, formed by my doctor. Most of it was like surgical complications. And I will say that I, I went back and looked, I, I got all my records and sure. I did initial off on some of the things, but I consider myself pretty health literate just because I've been through a lot of health complications, having cancer three times. But, you know, if you, if you take into account the average young woman who's healthy, doesn't have any problems medically, typically they don't know what things like fibromyalgia, connective tissue disease, lupus, Hashimoto's, they've never heard those terms. They don't even know what they are. So they just sign their initials and move on and go and have their surgery. But where my situation kind of fell apart is when I started having complications, I went back to my surgeon uh-huh. and I was yeah. telling her all the problems I was having. I had a rash all over my chest, all over my legs. I was having heart palpitations. I had really bad insomnia. And she never once told me, you might be having a reaction to your implants. Wow. Instead, she gave me pills. She gave me sleeping pills, pain pills, muscle relaxers, gabapentin. That's scary. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at all these pills going, this isn't the answer. Yeah. Something, something else is going on here. Um, so I didn't take any of the pills and it wasn't really until I found the BII community that I understood what was truly going on in my body it was literally being poisoned. So who saved you? So for Ashley, it was, she was communicating over social media and someone like, Hey, did you think about this? Who gave you the guiding light? What was that epiphany moment? That was my angel, Michelle. And I met her in a breast cancer online support group. And her story is so intriguing. She used to work for a plastic surgeon, had three sets of implants because she worked for a plastic surgeon. And she had breast implants for 12 years. Eight of those years, she was deathly sick. And I mean, it got to the point where she was unable to work. She couldn't be a mom to her kids. And she saw a story on Crystal Hefner who's Hugh Hefner's wife, you know, the playboy. Oh, yeah, it sounds a little familiar. <laughs> she did a news story okay. about her breast implants poisoning her. And her story was, you know, she called the plastic surgeon the next day and said, I want my implants out. He said, okay. And she went in to get an MRI to make sure they weren't ruptured. And they found a mass and she actually had breast cancer. Oh, God. So here she thought she was just going in for an eggplant. Yeah. She's like, well, do a double mastectomy and don't do reconstruction because I don't want those back in my body. So when I met her in this breast cancer group, she told me that she was sick from her implants. And I said, sick, what do you mean sick? Every single symptom that she told me she had, I checked almost every box. Yeah. She was in knight in shining armor. Yeah. I'm going to go back to Ashley on these ones because I want to, you know, build up the snow bogeys for next year. It sucks. I missed it. I didn't realize it was October. You know what I mean? I missed the no bogeys get together. Um, how can people reach the No Bogies Foundation? We'll put information on our podcast and everything, but can you kind of let our listeners know? Yeah, so you can reach us at our website, the no double bogies foundation.com, 
or you can go to our Instagram, which is the same thing, the No Double Bogies Foundation. And we also have another Instagram, the No Double Bogies Golf Tournament. So mm-hmm. any three of those, you'll find me. So <laughs> I respond pretty quick. And, and are you switching the location for the event every year or how do you do that? Well, and I've been asked to go different locations and I think I actually just had a meeting today. I think we want to do Vegas in October and then do it in California in June. So we might, we might do two this year. Women want us. When you say, (laughs) if it's Southern California, I'm definitely going to make a guest appearance. There's no question. Oh, we'd love to have you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Let me go, let me go back to uh, Robin on this and I have a closing question for both of you. Um, Back to the FDA. We're not going to let them off the hook just yet. So how can our listeners or how can people urge the FDA to issue a healthcare provider letter to all medical professionals to alert the medical community about the recent breast implant safety updates? And can you tell us what some of these updates are too? Yes. The updates we've been asking them for are basically the announcement that they came out with last year about the cancers, multiple cancers that are caused by breast implants. And we want all healthcare professionals to know how to look for, treat, and diagnose these cancers. They're being called rare right now, but you know we don't know what we don't know and people aren't really looking for them. So when women are going in and having explant surgery, a lot of the plastic surgeons, a lot of the pathologists, they're not even aware of how to properly test for these cancers. The most recent one that they're talking about, this squamous cell carcinoma, and I want to be clear, a lot of people know squamous cell carcinoma as a skin cancer, right? We have basal cell, squamous cell, melanoma. Squamous cell skin cancer is very treatable. This is similar to that in that it's an epithelial cancer. However, when it forms in the breast implant capsule, it is highly aggressive. It metastasizes outside of the capsule. It it loves to metastasize into your bones, your ribs, your sternum. One woman had it um, right into her heart. And so it's a very quick spreading cancer. And unfortunately, it doesn't respond to chemotherapy or radiation. So if we don't catch this cancer quickly, 50% of patients are dead within six months of being diagnosed. And that's unacceptable. And the fact that the FDA is not requiring manufacturers to alert not only patients, but the FDA alerting medical practitioners about this, they are hindering a timely diagnosis and treatment for patients and possibly causing severe harm or even death. Yeah, that's scary. Um, I'm going to throw an extra question for both of you just because I want to. Um, Ashley, so if I heard correctly during our interview, you got the explant and are you healed 100%? Are you still having symptoms and how long did it take you to, since the explant to start noticing improvement? Once I had the surgery and they were out, I could breathe again. That's, I felt like I could breathe and everything was, you know, pretty good. I'd say I'm about 85.9% better than mm-hmm. it was. There's still a lot of things that connect tissue, digestive issues. Um, ringing in the ear is way less. Like I used to want to smash my head into a wall and now it's just kind of light. Yeah. I've had so many symptoms lift, like lift up. It was um, remarkable. Robin, I think I heard the opposite. So you had the explant pretty damn quick. And did your symptoms get better quickly? And do you have any symptoms still? I have no symptoms. Mine went away literally the second I woke up from surgery. And just like Ashley, the first thing I noticed is I could breathe. I could take a deep breath, you know, because I had 500 cc's on each side, silicone just 
sitting on top of my lungs, literally crushing my rib cage. Wait, 500 mLs, like half a liter? On each side, 500 cc's. I have to ask a question. See, this is this is when you start getting into So did you check off the box that said I want 500 mLs? Like, Oh, honey, no, this is a bad story. The funny thing about my story, I was very accepting of my breast cancer diagnosis. I was very business-like, like I'm going to do a double mastectomy. I have kind of a dark sense of humor anyway. So I had (laughs) my whole life. I was a double B. So I was actually excited (laughs) about getting rid of my breasts, you know, because they were so, I'm not a big girl. I'm five, four. And I had these big double D's that I spent my whole life trying to cover up and hide. So the one silver lining for me was I get small, perky little boobs, right? All right. (laughs) So what's interesting is I told my surgeon to the point of literally beating her over the head with it. That I wanted to be, in my words, I said a full A cup, small sporty B cup. Sure. And I got double D's right back on me. And it was horrifying because they were so heavy, so uncomfortable, so big. Oh. And she thought they looked good on my frame. So you had to say about that. Yeah. Ashley, so similar story about the shortness of breath. Is is it a gravity thing that you now have just a lot of extra weight sitting on the chest wall when you're trying to breathe? And what ML size did you win or pick or choose? <laughs> so I go at 525, but I'm six feet tall. I'm a lot tired. You're six feet tall? Mm-hmm. It doesn't show justice um, when we're doing he this. Said I can, he said I can hold a lot. And I, he actually wanted to go bigger. And I said, no, because I was so paranoid about my golf swing. I was like, no, I, I want to be able to like <laughs> take the club back. Um, he went, I think I, I agreed to like 425 or 450. I can't remember. And he went to 525. So, so my question was, I'm very naive. So I, both of you forgive me. If you like, hey, had the pre-op talk, like, hey, let's go around 425. How do you end up with extra? Is it a on-the-fly decision or what happens? They know better, apparently. Apparently. Yeah. They, they always say, girls always want to go bigger. You always hear that. Like, you're not going to like it. They're, you're going to come back and want to get them redone. I don't know what it is with that because it's like, they all say it. They all say it. It's weird. It's, it's pretty freaking weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me ask both of you this. I'm going to go with Robin first. And then you guys got the same question. I want to end it on the same note, you know. So Robin, for you, um, what's the healing process of, you know, breast implant, you know, illness and explant surgery for you? For me, I was very blessed that literally just explanting and having them removed gave me my life back. You know, I chose to turn that mess into my message. And I know a lot of women that are still sick or they're struggling right now. They can't afford their explant, which is why I tag team with Ashley and, and want to help women to provide services, whatever they need, or even get them an explant surgery covered. So for me, that is healing, right? Helping other women to regain their health the way Ashley and I have. And that's what brings me joy and gratification. And everything else is ancillary. I mean, it's definitely necessary. I'm I'm totally into changing policies, passing legislation, getting FDA, you know, awareness out there. But at the end of the day, for I, I can't speak for Ashley, but I know her heart. We're in this to help the women. And that's what's important because we've been there. We know what a deep, dark place it is to be in. And if we can be a lifeline for these women and help them to not have to suffer the way we did, we're happy to do it. 
That's an awesome answer. That was amazing. Ashley, um, what about you? What's the healing process for you for both the breast implant illness and the X-spine itself? It's a lot of patience. I literally thought I was going to have them out and be ready to go. And that that wasn't the case. And to be, you know, gentle with yourself because it's a really curvy road. It's um, a lot of, I made a lot of mistakes on my healing journey. And that's part of even... I always say when I figure out how to heal this, I'm going to let everybody know, not that there's one way because the body's so different, but at least I can give women a good direction. I was all over the place. I've talked to so many holistic, functional medicine, homeopathic, scientists. Like I am obsessed with trying to find out how to make the body go back to normal after this disaster. And um, I think also doing the tournaments have been healing, like Robin said, like helping people and working with children and I work with a lot of young girls and that was like, they saw me get sick and I just, you know, told every parent and they, they knew that I plummeted and I just couldn't imagine any of those kids I've taught for, you know, 14 years would ever do this to them and suffer because they're like kids to me. So it was important for me to get the message out. Well, I'll say this. I'm a little sad that the interview is over because uh, you two are just two awesome women. And I love that you're not exactly the same personality. You're kind of opposites in a weird way. But I love that about both of you. You guys are great. And thank you so much, Ashley and Robin, for being on the show today. Thanks so much thank for having you. me. All right, everyone. Well, I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dr. Raj podcast. We had two amazing guests. We raised awareness about disease that needed to be spoken about with this breast implant illness. We'll put all their information and amazing stories on our show notes and stay tuned again in two weeks for the next episode of the Dr. Raj podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.